And after I finished the five days of Paxlovid, I reverted to negative on an antigen test for three days in a row. Uh, and then on the fourth day, just to be absolutely certain, I tested myself again and I reverted back to positive by the antigen test. So it was sort of what people are referring to as a Paxlovid rebound. And then over the next day or so, I started to feel really poorly, much worse than in the first go around. So it went back to people i'm dave rubin this is the rumor report it is june 30th 2022 happy birthday to my mom happy 40th mom i cannot believe you are younger than me how did that happen i hope you have a great day and there's something coming to the house keep an eye out for a package something's a coming happy birthday mom love you uh all right we are live of course on rumble on youtube and on blaze tv Subscribe if you haven't. And uh, today is mostly uh, a Ruben Report Locals community Q&A, but we're going to talk about a couple things first. Uh, first one's sort of a breaking story that's happening right now related uh, to Jordan Peterson. We're also going to talk a little bit uh, about Bill Maher, who seems to be slowly taking that red pill, but you know it takes time for these people to actually swallow it. Uh, but let's start with Jordan Peterson. Uh, a couple things related to Jordan. First, last night, you may have seen this, uh, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's uh, news and entertainment and cultural uh, website thing, big thing, it's a big thing at this point. Uh, they announced that they've signed Jordan Peterson. So uh, that's great news, obviously, for Jordan and our friends over at The Daily Wire. Uh, but uh, the day was not perfect for Jordan because earlier in the day, uh, he was suspended from Twitter, he remains suspended on Twitter right now. And uh, let's throw the image up right here. Uh, so here's the tweet that got him suspended. Now, I just wanna clarify for uh, chronology of this thing. The tweet he put up there is on June 22nd. He was not suspended until yesterday, June 29th. But the tweet is, remember when pride was a sin and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. Uh, so Ellen Page is the actress who transitioned and I suppose is now known as Elliot Page and she had her breasts removed. I don't know about the bottom situation or anything like that, but throw the image up one more time. What Twitter said about Jordan's tweet, and again, it was left up for a week. Uh, they said that it violated their rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious attention, I'm sorry, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Now, Jordan obviously did not promote violence against anyone. Uh, he is a clinical psychologist and a world-renowned author and speaker. Those were his thoughts. Uh, Jordan has told me personally, he is not going to delete the tweet. Twitter will not put him back unless he deletes the tweet. And he has said to me, he will see who blinks first. Uh, of course, myself and several other uh, people on Twitter are trying to defend Jordan. And that then gets the progressive, woke, genderless brigade to report you repeatedly. So my Twitter account has been under attack and I keep getting these messages from Twitter that I am being reported 
to uh, the German authorities, uh, but fortunately at the moment I have evaded the German authorities. There you go. Twitter is required by German law to provide notice to users who are reported by people in Germany. So Germany's coming after me. We'll see what happens. Anyway, this is just a perfect example. It's not that the Twitter thing is so important and that we should all be lost in the minutia of social media, uh, but these are the cultural flames that end up becoming these big uh, fiery outbursts in our political situation. And it's like, of course, Twitter allows hate. Of course, Twitter allows people to say mean things and attack people and do all of that stuff. And in no way was Jordan instigating violence against anyone or, or against Elliot or Ellen or anyone else, Ellen, whatever, whatever, or anyone else. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, before we get to this Bill Maher situation, oh, and we have a hilarious video from this lady, Kamala Harris, you know her, the, uh, the vice president over there. She's not very good at her job, but uh, she's second in line like basically the second most powerful person on earth. Uh, she's a liar, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but real quick, let me talk to you guys about real estate agents I trust. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. That's a ton of responsibility, and you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend real estate agents I trust. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one, they only work with full-time pros, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the introduction and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. The agents they work with have long track records and are the best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience, they share your values and they're almost anywhere you wanna go. The process is simple, just go to realestateagentsitrust.com and provide them with some basic info They'll reach out to you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town, and then you move, and then you're happy. There you go. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Bill Maher. I won't bludgeon you over the head. You know my thoughts. He is on his way to being red-pilled, but the question with all of the libs, all of the mainstream non-woke libs, is can they get to the end of the road? Can they suck it up and say, gosh darn it, those conservatives aren't a bunch of white supremacist, mean racist people. And by golly, they've been the ones really fighting critical race theory and wokeness and gender lunacy and endless inflation and gas prices. And it's the Democrats who are destroying all of the things that I purport to believe in and my liberal world. Can they get there? Well, Bill Maher seems like he might be on the way. I'm not holding my breath on this. Uh, we covered Joe Rogan yesterday, who seems like he's on the way and said that he might support Ron DeSantis uh, for uh, president. Uh, although Ron DeSantis has not even said he's running for president, but either way, good sign. Uh, but here's Marr uh, basically saying something kind of nice about DeSantis. And DeSantis, I mean, he's just more, he's more vibrant if you like people who don't lose elections and, you know. <laughs> also not plagued by scandal the way that Trump right. is. He's a stronger candidate. The January 6th hearings have been very compelling to watch, but a little part of me thinks this might actually be bad for the Democrats because if Trump is too weak to win the Republican nomination, it's going to be DeSantis and DeSantis could beat Biden. Well, oh, easily. But ever, anybody might, could beat Biden. Might, yeah. Trump, who, who could not beat Biden? I don't, this I don't know that Trump could. Yeah, no. Trump might be the one guy who yeah. could lose to Biden. Uh, but I, DeSantis, you're right, because because he's a winner. Yeah. He runs the third largest state. Trump is a hotel greeter <laughs> who lost. His insurrection failed. 
Okay, so there's a couple interesting things there. So first off, obviously Bill Maher would never vote for Trump, right? He has complete Trump derangement syndrome and that's never gonna happen. But what he's softly signaling there, and even though he does it in a glib way and he's dismissive of DeSantis, like it's just that he can win elections, it's sort of like Biden is horrible, we all know it, and DeSantis kind of ain't that bad. And again, although Bill Maher will never fully admit it, you may remember a video we showed you a couple months ago where he was talking about all these great things happening out of Florida. Uh, and he, as I told you yesterday, he shot his most recent HBO special right here in Florida a couple weeks ago. He was like, but I'll never move to Florida, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what's happening is as the rubber meets the road, as these guys get to the end of their ideas, they're going, holy cow, I'm going to be put in a position where I may have to vote for the scary conservative in the case. Now, interestingly, the two people he's sitting with there, uh, both also have Trump derangement syndrome. Andrew Sullivan, who's supposedly a good liberal who keeps saying that voting for Biden over Trump uh, was still a good idea, which obviously makes no sense. And the other woman, I, I can't even remember her name, uh, but she has tried to cancel me many, many times and wrote some awful articles about me. And it's like, these people, it's like, come on, you're all welcomed to this other side, this other truly diverse side, but you gotta get there. You gotta get there and you gotta realize that you can't be destroying the very people who have been doing it and getting us on that good path before you. Uh, but what they also were talking about there is that nobody likes Biden. And I'm telling you right now, it is just so obvious. Something has so shifted in the ether in just the last two weeks where now everyone's talking about his incompetence. Everyone's talking about, will he run? Won't he run? Everyone's talking about that this thing ain't working and that he doesn't know what he's doing and they just can't hide it much more. Now, a whole bunch of us have been saying that for about two years, even before he was elected. Uh, but here is Kamala Harris and boy, she just loves, she's all Joe all the time. Joe Biden is running for re-election and I will be his ticket mate. Full stop, full stop, that's it. Joe Biden is running and I will be his ticket mate. Full stop, full stop. I mean, watch body language, man, watch body language. Joe Biden is running for re-election and I will be his ticket mate. Full stop, full stop, that's it. I think Joe Biden is totally competent. I don't think he has any problems. I think he's fully able to complete a sentence. I don't think there's anything cognitively wrong with him. I think things are going really well in the country. I think the economy is going great. I think gas is cheap. I think we know what we're doing when it comes to Ukraine and all the myriad of other problems. I mean, it's such a lie. It's such a lie. She will be the first one to throw Joe Biden under the bus once they're done with him and they are almost done with him. Uh, I don't know if you're watching any of these videos coming out of Europe right now where they have this big, I think it's the G7 summit over there. And these videos keep leaking where Joe is just standing there. He doesn't know where he is. It's obvious. It's obvious. But trust me, the second it is politically expedient for that woman who, as I always tell you, was polling zero in her own party to get rid of Joe so she thinks she can ascend to the throne, she will be the first one the first one to throw him under the bus. So you're a liar, Kamala Harris. I know you guys are all so deep in the lies. It's like all you can do is lie, right? Like once you've lied, it's one thing to like lie a little. It's one thing some white lies. But once your whole thing is just based on lies, what you say about other people, what your beliefs are, et cetera, et cetera. Once you have just lied as the complete architecture of everything around you, then you got to keep lying. And that is what Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democrats are doing at the moment. Uh, let's get to some uh, Ruben Report community Q&A. Kathy says, what is on your 4th of July grill? 
are you sending up some fireworks? So as you know, it was my birthday a couple days ago and uh, Michael, who's a little under the weather today, so he's not in studio with us, but Michael, I assume you're watching the show. Um, Michael gave me fireworks for my birthday. So we will be setting off some fireworks. You guys gonna come over and we're gonna blow up some shit and see what happens. It's gonna be very exciting. Uh, we got all kinds of hot dogs and burgers and uh, I think my sister and her kids and husband are gonna come over and maybe some other friends and we'll do some barbecuing and all sorts of good stuff. We're just gonna relax, honestly, just relax. It's nice to have a three day weekend. I'm so happy to be in the free state of Florida uh, where people will be happy and joyous and there's American flags all over the place. You have to remember, I came from this place called Los Angeles, this communist hellhole. You put, a, you put an American flag outside your house, they could, they could come get you. So uh, I'm very appreciative uh, of being in Florida for this uh, 4th of July. And I, don't, I guess uh, maybe we'll go down to Miami Beach. They must do some big fireworks over there. See what's going on. I'm very excited, very excited. Love America. Did you know that? Freedom Fan says, if you could hijack Biden's teleprompter, what message would you insert? Oh, very simple. Help me. Help me. I need help. Help me. They're abusing me. Elder abuse. Call someone. Life alert. I've fallen and I can't get up. The man needs help. It, really, like joking aside for a second, he, he really needs help. The country needs help for sure. But when it breaks what they have done to him, whether it is drugging him, the note cards they put in front of him. Did you see the image of the note card? that they had from him at the G7 the other day where it was literally, they literally wrote on a note card, you in capital letters, you sit in capital letters, your seat. I mean, that's the level that we're at right now. You sit in your seat. They are abusing this dude and they're abusing him so just so that they could keep the show going long enough until they could usher in whatever is coming after him, whether that's the AOC thing or the Kamala thing or it's Michelle Obama, whatever is the far worse thing. And that is why a guy like me, who's not a traditional conservative voter, realized that Donald Trump was the firewall to stop this thing. And man, a lot of people, I suppose, didn't see it and they regret it now, but how many of them will have the mea culpa? And that's always why I'm pushing on Bill Maher all the time. That's why I'm pushing on Rogan and some of these other people. It's like, yeah, there were a bunch of people that got it right. And Bill Maher, you may not like those religious people, but man, they, they set the ground for the world that you want to live in. So get on board, dude. Derek says, how do you feel about Jordan joining the Daily Wire? Personally, I'm very excited for him and can't see, uh, can't wait to see the content he makes with them. Well, first off, uh, the very first episode of Jordan's new show on the Daily Wire has a spectacular, I'm talking like grade A, top of the line guest. Uh, happens to be the guy talking right now. What are the chances? Yeah, I went uh, to uh, their Florida studios that the Daily Wire has. They're based mostly in Nashville, but they've got some great studios right here in Florida. And I taped the first episode of the new Jordan Peterson show on the Daily Wire. We went for an hour and a half, no stops. And it probably, as I tweeted out this morning, a little clip of it, it probably was the most, well, without question, it was the most personal conversation I've ever had on camera. Jordan interviewing me, but probably the most important conversation I've ever had on camera. And it's all about having kids and what, my, what is changing in my life right now and why I did it and the challenges of, 
uh, parenting when you're in a same-sex relationship and how this affects things culturally and politically. And we really got into the muck and mire of this thing because there's a lot of questions. You know, it's one thing to just say, oh, it's great. Just have kids and gay people be married and all of these things. But it, there are a lot of important things to talk about. And we went as deep as we possibly could. And right when it ended, we thought, man, we just scratched the surface. Uh, so we're going to put up a clip or two on our channel as well, right? We are doing that. I think we're doing that. We're, we're, we're trying to find out. <laughs> we're trying to find out. Uh, but if not, uh, you can watch at least a portion of it for now on Jordan's page uh, when you're done with this, naturally. Uh, but I'm very excited. And I think it's a great move for the Daily Wire. And, you know, they're also bringing on Dennis Prager and Prager U to do some things. And anywhere that I see alternative media being built, whether it's The Blaze, whether it's Daily Wire, doesn't matter. It's like build, build, build and let the other things burn. You don't just burn. The left is into just burning everything down. Well, it's okay. Those things can go away, right? Disney Plus can go away. Mainstream media can go away. CNN can die. Netflix can collapse. Well, okay, we don't want to just sit in the collapse of everything forever. We want to build. That's why I started Locals. It's why we're doing what we do here. And that's all I've got to say about that. Dave says, smoking a 14 pound Boston butt this weekend. I'm thinking this could take 20 hours. You ever done one? I've never done a Boston butt. However, man, they're going to clip that. Take that one. That one is, that was. <laughs> However, um, actually for my birthday, David did get me a 17 pound Wagyu brisket, which is in our freezer right now. And I am super psyched. I mean, that thing, you could probably smoke it. Yeah, you said 20 hours for 14 pounds. Yeah, you could easy do 20 hours on this thing. So I'll probably, maybe we'll do it this weekend even. Probably set it at like eight o'clock the night before and then hopefully it's ready for, for dinner the next night. Um, I, as you know, I love that smoker, love that big green egg. And uh, no, the Boston butt. I'm gonna have to look into the Boston butt. Oh, they're gonna clip that one too. <clears throat> Patrick says, Dave, your conversation with Jordan on parenting was profoundly moving. Oh, so people have seen it already. Okay, great. Uh, both for its intellectual rigor and its unrelenting honesty. You've spoken of the increasing role of faith in your life. Do you think that meeting Jordan was part of the divine plan for your life? I believe that it was. Yeah, I do believe that it was because there's simply no other way to explain it, right? Like, and that, that was something, I mentioned this in the interview with Jordan uh, and thanks for watching it. Um, you know, when I was on tour with Jordan, he's out there. And as I said in the interview, it's like I had the best seat in the house every night because I was always stage right. You know, so I would do the intro shake Jordan's hand, give him a hug. He'd go out there for an hour and a half, but I'd be sitting on the stage watching the show every night. And the guy's given a different lecture every single night, sometimes about the book, sometimes about 12 rules, sometimes about one rule, sometimes about social media, like something, sometimes about a hit piece that was written that day, sometimes about his personal life. Like it was different every night. And I got to see that. And, and by being part of that, I saw all these people bettering their lives. And I really remember thinking, it was like, man, whatever was left in my life to fix, and everyone's got stuff, and I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I've completely perfected all of it. Of course I have not. Everything is always a work in progress. We're always fighting our demons. We're always hopefully trying to get better and all of those things. But I really remember thinking over and over, like if I can't stare down my demons right now, whatever's left there, whatever's left in the basement, as, as uh, Paulie said to Rocky in Rocky, was that Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa? Like whatever's left there, you gotta go down there and deal with that, right? And, or you could do it, there's many versions of that in many different stories, right? Like Luke on Dagobah when he's with, uh, with Yoda and you gotta go, you know, go in there, take only what you have with you, that sort of thing. 
I remember thinking like, if I can't really confront these things, think these things through, figure out how I wanna live my life while I'm with him, uh, 120 nights in 20 countries, it's like, I'll never fully fix myself. So, so was that ordained? Was that, was that part of the plan? I kinda think so. Like by going the right way, the proof is in the pudding of my life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, obviously, um, in the relationship that I'm supposed to be in. Uh, we're about to have kids. I work with the right people. I live in the right state, in the right city. Like I've lined up those things. And it's, it's hard to, when you're in it, it's hard to see it. But then once you start getting somewhere, you can look back and be like, boy, those pieces did really kind of connect. So I do believe that there is some sort of plan. And when you're doing the right thing, the plan, it kind of locks in in a way that, that you know it's working. You know it's working. And I can tell you that when I've been on those good runs, like when, when my book's been out and I'm on tour and I'm really just every moment is, is me doing what I'm supposed to be doing, um, time goes by faster. Uh, you, suddenly a month passes and you're like, wow, that was, that was that was me at my best. There you go. And then, and then sometimes you fall out of that. But yeah, I do think there, there is some sort of, I don't know, divine intervention or plan or something that if you pay at enough attention to what you know is right, the rest will kind of just present itself. Uh, Spike says, bourbon, you like or dislike might affect future subscriptions. Spike, uh, although Phoenix just gave me two thumbs up on bourbon, Connor, you're more of a beer guy, fair to say. But you, you gave me the thumbs. Oh, you like the uh, the monkey shoulder, right? That's your, that's scotch. Connor loves this thing. It's called monkey shoulder. Every time I'm with him, he's got to have the monkey shoulder at all times. Eating Chipotle, monkey shoulder. Morning coffee, monkey shoulder. Uh, but it's scotch, apparently. Um, I'm a tequila guy. I know as I've moved into more conservative circles that conservatives have to be drinking bourbon and whiskey all the time. They feel it makes them manly. Uh, I don't know if they think tequila, it's, it's too Mexican or something, but I love the agave. I love tequila. My favorite bottle, because people always ask, Clas Azul, the Reposado, it's expensive, but you only need a tiny bit. I like it on one rock, straight up, and it is good. I don't, I don't hate the brown liquor, but I am, it is not a go-to for me, but I hope you will stick with me despite that. Cine says, we'll all be praying that everything goes well for baby one, and lady for ba uh, later for baby number two, of course. Even though you're off the grid, could perhaps David or your assistant just come on and say baby delivered and all is well? Regardless, you'll be in our thoughts. Um, I think we could probably do something like that. I think we can make that happen. We'll, we'll post something uh, just confirming that that baby one is good to go and that, you know, we're good and all that good stuff. By the way, speaking of that, um, you know, when I got back from the tour, people had given me so much stuff, especially from the locals community. community. You guys were awesome. People that were giving us baby gifts and custom clothes and people were giving us booze and books and hand-painted drawings and candles and just so many amazing things. And I'm just so appreciative. Like we sat yesterday really finally going through everything, reading all the notes and everything, and uh, much like Blanche Dubois, I do depend on the kindness of strangers, even though you're not strangers to me in a way. Uh, Purdue says, hi Dave, I get, I get at least a half dozen emails a day from Trump people raising money. It's become irritating and frankly feel stupid. Poorly written stories about why I should donate. Uh, I voted for him twice and long for him to be in the White House, but enough is enough. Do you think they understand they are alienating lots of people 
with the constant begging. Well, I wonder if your email address has been sold to a whole bunch of things that are maybe ancillarily related to Trump. I'm not on any, you know, I, I've basically unsubscribed from everything because I'm so overloaded all day long. I can't open my phone anymore and just see like the endless amount of stuff, fundraising or just generic stuff otherwise. Um, but I'm guessing that Trump himself, whatever his official mailing list is, I'm guessing that that one is probably not hitting you up multiple times a day, maybe once a day. And if they're asking for money once a day, that is quite annoying. But I'm guessing your email address probably got sold. Uh, so you may want to figure out a backup alias email. You might want to try Startmail, uh, startmail.com slash Ruben, uh, and just get, you can get alias emails that'll actually, you know, when you sign up for things, so it's not all going to your main email address. Um, but yeah, the fundraising thing, it's like, man, do politicians really need more money? Is that like what this is really all about? It always seems like it's about money. Um, you know, one thing that's good in Florida, of course, there's many good things in Florida, but if Ron DeSantis makes the move for the presidential run, uh, he has a huge coffer right now. I think he's got like something like 130 million bucks ready to roll. And fortunately, because the Democrats are so inept in this state, um, he's not gonna have to spend a lot of money for his reelection here his uh, governorship reelection. So he'll have a lot of money after. So if he decides to make the move, hopefully he won't need that much money. But yeah, the money thing and just politicians always asking for money and all that, it's annoying and it's boring. And, uh, and it's like, I don't know, like why would you ever give someone money who then in turn is gonna raise your taxes? At least generally speaking, Republicans raise your ta uh, lower your taxes. But like the, the Democrat people, it's like, I'm gonna give Bernie money. Here's Bernie. Here's five more dollars of my hard-earned money. Now raise my taxes and give me socialism. Two Bits says, when are, when are you and David gonna get a boat so you can host parties on the water and perhaps give interviews and do some Rubin reports from the boat? That would be so cool. Uh, well, at the moment, we have been doing so much house construction here, which is why occasionally during the show, you're hearing banging and glass breaking and God knows what. Uh, and just so much that we're, I'm a little stretched thin uh, financially at the moment to be getting a boat. Uh, I do know that right now, because of Joe Biden's economy, uh, that here in Florida, at least, it's extremely difficult to get a boat because they're just not getting things. Everything's taken forever to the point that getting used boats right now, and I think this is happening with cars as well, to get used boats uh, is costing more than to get a new one because people just want them so quickly. We're hearing this also with, we redid some stuff in the kitchen, to get appliances. People are willing to pay more for a used appliance. That means someone else's old stove uh, just so that they can actually get it instead of waiting six or, or eight months. Um, so everything is screwy, but I really would love to get a boat. One of the things that I've really come to love about Florida, there's lakes everywhere. Uh, and and I, the boat culture is fun. I really do love fishing. I usually do it off a dock, but uh, yeah, maybe we should, uh, Phoenix, would you get on, uh, let's do the Ruben Report yacht. Could you uh, go to yachts.net and see what we can come up with? Let's go. Uh, Arnie says, what does freedom and independence mean to you? That's a good one, Arnie, for this upcoming anniversary of the United States of America. Freedom and independence are your ability to live as you see it, period. You cannot impose your beliefs on someone and someone cannot impose their beliefs on you. This can be messy in a country of 350 million people from all walks of life who have different religious and philosophical views. Uh, you know, we have a multicultural, a truly multi multicultural society that has become an incredible melting pot. Everyone brings their foods, their 
traditions, their languages, their music, their clothes into America, it all becomes part of that thing as opposed to what's happened in Europe where people sort of cordon off into their communities and they're part of say the United Kingdom, uh, but they're very much identified as, oh, I came from this country or that country. country. We've done it so well here. And that also maybe is our weakness in a way. I think that's what wokeism has shown to be our weakness, that, that tolerance, that desire to fit in. I mean, if, if we're gonna restore this thing, and you ask what is, what is freedom and independence, it's like we have to go back to that, go back to why did this country get founded in the first place? It was because people wanted to make decisions for themselves. They did not want a king to rule them, and right now we do not want, uh, say, an inept president to rule us. And if you understand that, if you understand that, boy, it's, it's tough. I have certain feelings about life and I wish, I suppose I wish I could control everybody. But if you understand, well, I don't really, but I understand certain people do. If you understand like, no, that's not how it is. All, all a good country can do and all that the United States should do is create the conditions so you can live how you want. And a couple rules around that, man, that's what, that's what it's all about. And we got to return to that. And that's why every politician that comes in, I'm going to solve all of your problems. And if only I had more tax money, we'd do this. And if we took more money from the rich, we'd do that. And if we fought that war over there, things would be better. And, and it's like, none of it's true. None of it's true. There's one thing that's true, which is the more you stay out of my life, the more I can live the life that I wish to live, the more that the people around me will do the same. And then we can build a good society, bottom up. Hey says, do you think that the U.S. has a chance to retake control of critical food and medicine supplies from China? Secondly, why is Bill Gates the largest owner of farmland in the U.S.? Well, first on the Gates thing, I mean, this is really nuts. We've talked about it a couple of times on the show. Bill Gates is now the number one farmland owner in the United States. This is the same guy who works with the World Economic Forum and all of these giant globalist organizations, whatever you want to call them, who are, you know, they want us to eat bugs and no one will eat, no one will own anything and you'll be happier than ever. But for some reason, Bill Gates owns an awful lot of farmland. Do you think that's weird? Bill Gates is a bad dude. Like something between whatever he's doing with COVID and he's just, he's just not a good guy. As far as getting control of our food and I'll throw in medicine there as well, uh, and whether it's taking some of that back from China or not being so dependent on Russia for natural resources or whatever it might be, we can't do it under this administration. These people wanna break us. And for the few that maybe don't wanna break us, they're just completely inept and they're wrong about basically everything. Um, so we gotta get rid of these people. And then I suppose we can, but I would also say at the same time, you should have uh, a little power within your own life to not be so dependent on all of these systems. That's actually, there's a, uh, at least about a half a chapter in Don't Burn This Country about just this. I mean, if you have the means, it's like grow a little food if you can, you know, grow some herbs. Uh, if you have a little room, get a chicken coop. I mean, I know if you live in a city, it's tough to do these things, but being so dependent that food made somewhere is gonna come to you and it's all gonna work all the time. It's just not a great strategy. Look what they did during COVID and don't think they didn't learn a little something from that. Uh, Michelle says, how do you brew your coffee? Coffee maker, French press, pour over, Etc. Well, I'm in a bit of a coffee conundrum right now. So thanks for asking, Michelle. Uh, in LA, we had this awesome built-in machine. It was a Wolf machine. It was like built into the wall. It was so cool. 
I could put fresh beans in the morning, press one button, it would grind them, make the most beautiful cup of coffee. It was just so spectacular. I loved it. Then uh, we got to Florida. We did not have one of those machines. I was trying to get one of those machines, but thanks to Joe Biden, it takes a long freaking time to get anything, as I just illustrated. So we've been waiting on one of those machines. And in the meantime, I started using the Nespresso. I got to tell you, I don't like the Nespresso. Uh, am I going to get in some kind of trouble for this? Certain coffee people will be very upset about this. Um, I don't love the Nespresso. I don't think it makes a great cup of coffee. It's kind of watery. I've tried many, many different capsules. Uh, the best one that I've found is they make a carafe one that's a little more like a slow pour over, but I just don't think it's great. Uh, so, because I couldn't take that anymore, then I started doing the French press again. And that's when, when I first got into coffee, like 10 or 15 years ago. The French press, if you do it right, and you just slowly do it, it only takes a few minutes actually, but you get those beans coarse, but not too fine. And that whole thing uh, is really, really nice. Uh, but soon enough, we will have a built-in again. Um, and uh, we should be selling our own coffee, the Reuben Roast. It was an idea we had a while back. We should, let's circle back on that. Uh, Bernardo says that now that Will Witt has left PragerU and Los, uh, to end Los Angeles for much greener pastures in Florida. Will Dennis Prager and the rest of the PragerU follow? I don't know. I would love to get Dennis Prager and his wife, Sue. Sue, I know you're watching. You're a big fan of the show. Uh, we want to get you guys here in Florida. I send Dennis almost every day. I look for houses uh, within a couple blocks of me and there's just so much construction here. Right now, I send Dennis and his wife houses here because I would love for them to relocate. Look, I love everybody at PragerU. Shout out to Marissa Streit and Alan Estrin and all of those guys. They're doing such great, important work. When you see people like Elon Musk waking up or Joe Rogan waking up or even Bill Maher, it's in large part because places like PragerU with these videos that they've been doing for a decade now woke up so many people that once you do the brave thing when it's hard to do and take the arrows for it, Years later, other people start repeating your stuff when it's easier, right? I, I know a little something about that myself. And it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but they are in LA right now. It makes it harder to hire at times uh, because, you know, a certain amount of people that are somewhat like-minded, say politically and culturally, they don't want to live in LA. And I don't think LA has much of a future, but I know they have very deep roots there. Dennis has a, has a great community of friends and family there, but I would love to get them here. There are tax benefits and alligator benefits and lizard benefits. Did I tell you guys that yesterday morning I was making my iced coffee, open up the freezer, swear I can show you a picture. There was a, uh, a dead lizard in the freezer. And I thought, I love Florida. A dead lizard in my freezer, I'm not kidding. Uh, no, I'll, I'll show you later. Anyway, uh, I hope they move here, I really do. Uh, CS says, when's David Janet's cooking show you got to turn the Rubin Report into a morning show with cooking and lifestyle. I mean, come on, man. Two gay kings got to be able to do better with women than The View. That's funny. Um, so, you know, we're having kids. We're doing all this house construction. He hasn't been able to cook the way he loves to cook. Uh, also, we don't have um, yet. We don't have natural gas at the house. It's an electric stove. And, you know, chefs generally don't love electric stoves. You like to be able to really work the gas. Um, but part of the construction we're doing here is putting in an outdoor kitchen. So we'll have uh, at least propane there for some, uh, for some burners. Um, but I, he doesn't want to be on camera. Uh, he has no ego in that way. He loves cooking. He loves writing about cooking. And the cookbook is in the works. I actually may delay my third book so that we can get the cookbook out first because I really want to get it out. We have, a, we have a fun sort of gimmick around it. Um, but I don't think there will be a cooking show, but a more, a more loose morning show, maybe with some coffee and 
the egg and cheese. That sounds kind of good. Maybe we'll do that. Connor, you can have your monkey shoulder. Be very exciting. Uh, Nick says, nerd question. Disney may have ruined Marvel, but do you believe in the multiverse? If so, do you think there's an alternative reality where AOC and Eric Swalwell are a conservative power couple and Nancy finally chose to be a grandma? Man, that would make the multiverse worth it, wouldn't it? If those people could be sane in some alternate universe. The multiverse is basically, without getting too far into the uh, nerdy nitty gritty of it, the, the multiverse is basically this idea, well, if you sort of saw the last uh, Spider-Man, that there are multiple realities going on and you know we're, all, we're just, we happen to be living in one ourselves right now, but there are many versions of this. There's many versions of you on different paths in life and all of those things. I mean, do I believe in it? There's sort of like an existentially interesting idea around it and that maybe in one of those multiverses you are living your best life as you're supposed to do and then, and then that's really like the challenge of life. I don't know, there's some like Jungian idea there. I don't know that I really believe in it beyond the sort of fun way to think about it in that regard. Um, by the way, did not love The Last Spider-Man. I know, I know, I'm just, I guess I'm just over all of this stuff. I'm over all of it. It's sad. It's sad. It's part of growing up. You just realize the corporations buy all of your shit. I used to have comic books as a kid. I still have a great comic book collection. I had an awesome Spider-Man collection. And, uh, and the corporations just buy all your stuff and then, and then they ruin it. I watched this great interview with George Lucas. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago where he talks about selling Disney and he's like, yeah, I sold it to white slavers, but what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like, uh, all right, guys, we got a cold close for you in just a minute. Uh, as always, you can join us for these Q&As if you want to submit questions yourself at rubenreport.locals.com. Part two of my interview with South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, who kept her state open more than anyone, more even than Ron DeSantis here in Florida. Part two of that is up across platforms. The full thing is already up on Locals ad-free. Tomorrow, we will have a celebration of America on her upcoming birthday with Spencer Clavin from The Daily Wire, Josh Hammer from Newsweek, and Chris Rufo from the Manhattan Institute. And now we leave you with mainstream media freaking out. This is fascist in many ways. This decision and this policy will kill people. There is a war out there, and we need to recognize that we've got to armor up. I got the pitchforks, you get the gas and the torches. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. We have to build streets. Right now, elections are not enough. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.